0: Welcome to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD. I'm your host, Alicia Sutton, and we're broadcasting from the annual meeting of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. And we're going to talk about an interesting evolution of a teaching model called the Flipped Classroom. With me is Brian McGowan. He's Chief Learning Officer at Archimedics based in Charlottesville, Virginia. Welcome, Brian. Good to have you back with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So there's a little buzz out there about the Flipped Classroom. You want to tell us about that?
1: Uh, about the buzz or the flipped classroom probably I think. Probably about the classroom. <laughs> the, so the, the flipped classroom model is uh, a, a pretty simple approach um, in, in in the truest sense. So although much more is made of it than it probably deserves. The idea is that um, in most cases learners come to a live session with extreme variability in life experiences and what they know in their preparation. Um, likewise uh the the educator um, may not necessarily know each of the learners separately. They may have a general idea of what the learners are. So traditionally, that's the environment five minutes before a session begins. The session begins, the faculty member talks to the fattest part of the curve, assuming that there's a homogeneity there that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The flipped classroom is an approach that that suggests that if we can somehow use a blended learning model, which isn't necessarily buzzworthy, but if we can figure out a way to get the learners somehow prepared and engaged before they arrive at the live session, then while the faculty and the learners are together for those critical moments, an hour or two hours, the critical time where they're directly relating to one another, that that time can be used for application of knowledge and that the pre-work, the flipped part, that the part that comes before could be used for the acquisition of knowledge.
0: So it sounds like it's more than just saving a little bit of upfront time that's often spent with the instructor saying, hey, let me get a sense of what you guys know. It really changes the education in the room. So do you have some examples of how it's been used?
1: Sure, sure. It's it's from K through 12 through higher ed and increasingly in, in medical schools, I know Uh, several stories of medical schools that have tried this. Um, There's actually, I think uh, at this point I've collected maybe 30 or 40 publications of the flipped classroom being applied in um, healthcare professional education of one sort or the other. What's interesting is um, the flipped classroom model tends to create... um, not only continuity in the learning experience, so these learners are going to engage in this content beforehand, and that same group of learners is then going to be placed in front of me as a facilitator, mm-hmm. not necessarily a lecturer anymore, but now I'm a facilitator at the live meeting, and so there's continuity. The learners and uh, and the facilitators, the educational planners, are now kind of, they're joined at the hip for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Um in continuing education, like what we're hearing in many of the sessions here in Dallas, that that's not normally the way we operate in continuing education. There's not necessi- necessarily... Um, an expectation that there's continuity in the educational process. The Mm -hmm. episodic types of education, you go to a website one day, you go to a different website the other day, your society provides you education, but maybe then you're at a different meeting with a different association. That lack of continuity in continuing education actually serves as a bit of a barrier for implementation of something like the flipped classroom. So in those cultures that are more closely... um, Structured mm-hmm. undergraduate residency programs, even specialty societies where maybe all those clinicians are used to gathering together. The flipped classroom seems to have, um, the. at some point we'll, we'll stop referring to it as a flipped classroom. We'll right. refer to this as this blended learning model. But it seems to have proven itself quite valuable in those settings.
0: So you've built some of these with your mm-hmm. company <laughs> along with other uh, educational providers. What have you learned along the way that uh, either about the learner in this environment or the instructor in this environment what are you seeing Uh,
1: so we've done this now um two different times with uh hundreds of learners in each instance where we've made this continuity we've built this pre-work we've created these video series um and the, the, the approach that we've taken is is quite in that kind of mainstream of what the flipped classroom is. We want them to learn enough about some information. We want all of them to learn about the same information so people are coming to us with a, a, a more um, unified understanding. And then we can learn from their learning experience and we can build application exercises during these learning labs. It's the learning from the learning experience right. that is universally of everything that we've learned. It's the number one lesson to take away from this. The continuity of the learning process is only as valuable as your ability to actually measure and sample at different steps in the process.
0: And technically, how is it that the instructor learns something about the student before they walk in?
1: in many ways it has. It's largely dependent on the technology that they choose to use for that pre-work. So okay. there's certainly instances and and I don't begrudge them in any way that you could you could shoot a bunch of videos with web cameras of three or four faculty members, post them to YouTube, create a YouTube playlist, send your learners to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you'll know that this video got 23 views and this video got 30 views. Um, but so what are you
0: learning about the learner? I mean, no- that's certainly. nothing in that instance, okay. unfortunately. Yeah.
1: It, but it very inexpensive and it could be done with almost no budget, um, a little bit more work than maybe the traditional educational program. Sure. Um, what we've done, so the, the company that I'm, I, I'm chief learning officer of, we've actually supported several of these flipped classrooms, some of which I've been faculty member on and some I haven't. Um, and in those instances, the types of learning analytics that we're able to gather. I felt at chairing some of these sessions fundamentally changes what we can do at the live meeting. So I can give you some examples of that. Yeah, please. So um, in one instance, we had uh, 12 videos. These are 12 separate building blocks in the overarching curriculum. So you can think of the educational planning process. So we built these building blocks out. Not only did we know a week before the live meeting which of the videos were most engaging, were driving the greatest traffic? Not only could we tell exactly how many learners had seen each of the videos. Um, but this, the architecture that we've built actually allows the learner to take notes while they're engaging with the videos, allows them to ask questions of the faculty through the architecture, and it allows them to search through a library of what the faculty have felt are the key related resources that support this specific building block in the curriculum. Interesting. So by... Um, 72, 96 hours before the educational planners are standing in front of that room for that critical one or two hours where you're face-to-face and you can have impact. We knew... which were the resources that were most important. We knew which areas in this building block curriculum the learners were most comfortable or least comfortable with. And now instead of walking into that live experience blind or, mm-hmm. or assuming that we knew about the learners, we could build our, our application scenarios to make sure that Alicia got the one thing that she was most comfortable that builds her self-efficacy she feels like she can deliver she knows that this is something that she's got to strengthen and we could also build from the one or two areas where she was uncomfortable and that really brought those areas of weakness up that right. type of individualized learning can't be done in, in the. it can't be done effectively in the type of the episodic right. know, the episodic learning uh, no, that's interesting.
0: if you're just joining us this is lifelong learning on reach md and I'm talking with Brian McGowan, Chief Learning Officer at Archimedics. And uh, we're talking about blended learning or the flipped classroom, as I like to say. So, Brian, are there any risks in this model? What, can you go into some of those for us?
1: Sure, sure. The, the basic premise of the flipped classroom is that learners will do pre-work and that you'll learn about the learners and that you can make basic assumptions when they get into the live experience, this critical live experience that there's a homogeneity of the learners, right? So by putting the work in to prepare this learning opportunity before they get in the room, that comes with some assumptions from the educational planner's perspective. So what would happen if you put all this energy in to create these moments and you promoted them to your audience or you you assigned them to your class Mm -hmm. and 24 hours, 48 hours before you went to do this application part of the experience, you found out that no one had seen them. Mm. Right. What if, what if you, you don't have the relationship with the learners that actually drives them to participate? Well, that's an extreme, right? No right. one walks into your room, and in essence, you planned education. You have no data. You're back to what you would have, the exact situation mm-hmm. you would have been when you normally held a live program. Right. But what about the in-between point? What about when 50% of the learners complete the pre-work? 50% of the workers have put the time in, they're dedicated, they've done this, their their knowledge levels have risen, there's a sense of homogeneity that you can maybe apply to the group, but now you've got 50% of the learners who haven't done any of it. Mm-hmm. Now you're sitting in a, in a scenario where you've architected this live learning experience with these assumptions right. that you're going to have a homogeneous group and 50% of the people that walk in your room. Um, they're going to be lost five minutes in, or, or worse yet, you've got to go back to lecture style, mm-hmm. and the fifty percent of the people that did the work are going to walk into your classroom and say, "We already did this. Why are you spending the first half of our program teaching us exactly what we already watched?" So, um, I think what's what's really essential in this, especially for folks that are piloting these types of blended or flip approaches early on, what's really critical is that you have you have the plasticity. To, to think on your feet and adapt. We were really lucky in the classes that we ran and the flipped programs that we ran is that we were working with societies that had a very strong relationship with their members. The members were very engaged. They
0: were engaged, yeah,
1: and, and motivated. We, and we made sure that four weeks before we released the videos Three weeks before we communicated that the videos were great, right. we created short little videos that we put into the email saying, mm-hmm. come listen to Dr. So-and-so mm-hmm. give this talk. And we, we we really focused energy and some time on making sure that we were telling the story about why this is valuable to the learners. Sure. So by the time we got to the classroom, 80% of those who were registered for this live learning lab, 80% of them had participated in the videos. And of those 80%, nearly 80 percent had done all the videos mm-hmm. so we're talking about a hun- more than a hundred learners and over 870 views of these short six minute to eight minute videos right. engagement with notes and reminders thousands of different actions that we could track
0: that's interesting what was the uh, topic area uh, um,
1: so, in in the latest two instances, it was focused on the educators themselves, the folks that educate okay. healthcare professionals, mm-hmm. and each of the building blocks of the curriculum was around a specific area of the science of education. So, um, constructivist theory and connectivist mm-hmm. theory, adult learning theory, and we had experts from this community, from the alliance community, who had done research in each of these areas, or were currently doing their doctoral dissertations in these areas. And, and we coached them so that they could, could deliver a concise 8- to 10-minute lesson mm-hmm. about what the average educator would need to know. Just so in the back of their mind as they're planning education and they're making decisions, they're thinking, is there any ground for me to stand on when I make that right. decision?
0: Right. You know, at this conference, we're surrounded by very, very smart educators, creative educators, um, who you and I both have seen come up with curriculum design that's, that's quite enticing. Does this change that paradigm a little bit they have to think about their education design differently
1: i I, well i think this gets to this this kind of underlying idea of uh data-driven education right so the blended learning model the flipped classroom in its essence because you're connecting pieces you can either connect them in a preordained fashion So you're not going to learn anything about the learners. You're going to give them content, and you're going to plan their live meeting, and it's Mm -hmm. a flipped classroom, Mm -hmm. but everything's preordained. None of it is agile. None of it's based on formative assessment. None of it's Uh refined. The content doesn't breathe, and if you're perfect in your planning process, then maybe the education comes out perfect. Mm -hmm. I've yet to meet an educator who's perfectly planned an educational program especially not one as complex as over a hundred individuals from separate institutions with um... A disparate experience from one year in the business to twenty years in the educational business and think that they're going to get it right the first time but the flipped classroom actually gives you the opportunity if you measure effectively and you collect the right data mm-hmm. you now have the data that should give you the opportunity to do all those you know, leading most innovative educational designs, agile, individual, adaptive. Mm-hmm. So these are the topics that were, that should be paramount in our educational planning process. But without the data, you can't be agile. You can't mm. be adaptive. You can't be individualized. Um, we tend to believe that we can plan something perfectly in the beginning and measure it at the end. Yeah. And yes. and if you were perfect, then you can get good data at the end, maybe. But th- it's not it's not the experience that most of us have had. And if you're not looking into your data often enough, and you're not building a process that allows you to update and agilely, mm-hmm. you know, um, refine content, then we're, we're just we're, there's so much invested. Our our c- people's careers, their professional careers, not to mention hundreds of millions of dollars, are focused on that critical education and support of the healthcare community. Right. And, you know, the idea that you're going to build an educational program and someone's going to walk away and say, I learned one thing, and we're going to see that as a triumph, just seems like it's, there's a slight inefficiency there. It does. I think the future yeah. of data-driven science, the future of these types of blended and continual learning processes... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's where we have to go, and I think we now have enough evidence to suggest that um, it seems that way. We've got the competency and the technology to do so.
0: Yeah, it seems so. So, do you have some final parting thoughts, some key takeaways from your presentation today that you'd like to share with the listeners here about blended learning?
1: Sure. I, I, I think the I think there should be uh, acceptance that from every meta review of the efficacy of education, sequential continual, multi-method education is the education that drives knowledge transfer and drives performance change. Mm -hmm. So at its core, on the shoulders of giants, we know that blended or flipped classroom is the most well-grounded approach um, and the combination between online, case-based, and live, problem-based. is We know that that works. What we're really going to have to take from these experiences the recent publication we've had in the journal for continuing education and nursing is that that model is really only as good as the data that you have that allows each of the pieces to build on each other right right so you can there's a lot of science in the flipped classroom is 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 a entirely logical and Mm evidence-based approach Mm
0: -hmm. sounds like it
1: but it can still be done poorly Yeah. Right. So so making sure that you've got the right data. And then the final piece of it is having the data is is only as valuable as your ability, Mm -hmm. the resources that you have to make sure you can act on that data. Right. And in many ways, pulling data from all these online pre-working learning experiences and then in 72 to 96 hours before a live session, changing maybe Mm -hmm. everything that you thought you should do. Mm-hmm. may not be right for everybody.
0: It may not. It takes right. a little learning on the educator side, for sure.
1: It's, it takes adaptability, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Brian, thank you. Very insightful, and uh, we always have a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for your time.
0: You've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This series is co-produced with the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. For more information and a full library of medical broadcasts, please visit ReachMD.com. I'm your host, Alicia Sutton, and we'll see you next time.